Hello and you are listening to ScarJo A Go-Go, the podcast where I chronicle and dissect the films of Scarlett Johansson in chronological order. I'm Luke and this week we're talking about Spongebob Squarepants, the movie. We're here to learn, not just to yawn, for our most loved celebrity. We'll watch the screen, what can we glean from her career trajectory? Cause she'd prefer if you'd refer to her as Miss Johansson. Don't be a jerk to Miss Johansson. Respect her work. She starts off really small and then she grows, she grows, she grows, she grows. Let's see how far she goes. The world is a chaotic and frightening place. Beneath our jeans and t-shirts and adorable summer dresses, we are nothing but savage animals tottering around awkwardly on our hind legs pretending to be civilized. Out there on the streets, it is dog eat dog. Dogs are eating dogs, seriously. Somebody should do something about those dogs. Those are bad dogs. So prepare your spine for a chill because you are about to discover that beyond the the familiar mayhem of our own dry land environs, even more sinister beings writhe and, and seethe in the uncharted inky depths of our oceans. Like horrifying blood-curdling beasts far beyond our ken, with cruel claws, uh, suckered tentacles, high-pitched, squealing, yellow, absorbent, and porous creatures with pants of square beings whose mere presence would make Cthulhu shit. And that, my friends, dear listeners, is only the beginning. But... Luckily for you and I, amid all this deep sea madness is a shining light, a beacon of hope, a voice of reason. And that voice, of course, belongs to one Ms. Scarlett Joe Hansen. Now, if you recall, when we last left Scarlett, she had gone wild, Oscar Wilde, in A Good Woman, which was a film adaptation of Oscar Wilde's 19th century play, Lady Windermere's Fan. Uh, A film where, ironically, the only thing that I turned out to be a fan of was Lady Windermere herself, played by none other than Scarlett Johansson. She's the subject of this podcast, after all, and she ended up uh, bringing some genuine pathos Um, and empathy to what started off, in my mind at least, as a thankless role in a uh, shockingly witless, considering it's Oscar Wilde, comedy romance, uh, which also had the grim, oppressive shadow cast over it by a terrifying abomination that experts have since dubbed Helen Hunt. Yes, even a week later, I'm still mad about you, Helen. 
So, uh, now it's a complete change of pace. We're on to some very different fare. I've got my diving helmet on. Uh, if it's a bit echoey today, that's why. And I am taking the plunge into these uncharted waters. I'm getting all Steve Zizou up in this piece. Uh, if you recall, the early 2000s brought us the very popular animated series SpongeBob SquarePants. It's about a sponge who wears square pants, lives in a pineapple under the sea. He's got lots of uh, friends and goes on crazy adventures. Uh, and it's only natural then, uh, with all the success of SpongeBob, uh, that a studio with dollar signs shining brightly in their big old eyes should want to turn this thing from, um, I think that they were 20 minute episodes comprised usually of two uh, 10 minute shorts. They wanted to turn this thing into a feature length film, build it and they will come. Now, um, Scarlet does have a role in this. It's not a massive role as such. I don't believe this episode is gonna be as long as normal. I don't think I should hold you guys hostage, hold you ransom, uh, keep you all bailed up. You've got busy days. I'm not gonna fill your heads with uh, the minute details of a starfish and a sponge uh, traveling across the ocean bed looking for a lost crown. We're, we're gonna stick to the facts uh, once we set everything up, but um, you know, there's stuff here. Th this film at least sets up a, a very important precedent, which is Scarlett Johansson being used exclusively, not just for her looks, or not for her looks at all in fact, but for her wonderful, unique voice. And um, she hasn't done a massive amount of voice work in her career, but there is more to come. So, uh, let's open with the film. It starts with live action seagulls across an ocean and a pirate ship, still live action, spots this filthy guy in a dinghy off the port bow. Uh, and he's brought the captain a chest and they open up the chest and the chest is full of tickets to the Spongebob movie. How meta is that already? And then the pirates burst into the Spongebob theme song. Uh, this is totally awesome. It's a wonderful beginning. And then uh, the ship pulls up at this coastal theater. It's right near the beach. And they, um, all the pirates go running into the cinema and they start throwing popcorn around and harassing the audience. Uh, like it's they're pillaging, they're plundering, they're raping. This is just like our local cinema here on the dry land back home. And uh, you got to ask though, why would pirates see a film in the cinema? You would think that they would pirate it. That's what pirates do, right? But no, at least they didn't pay for the tickets, I suppose. That's something. They can still hold their plundering, raping, pillaging heads up high. So then we have a little bit of a French sounding narrator. It's obviously an American putting on a voice. We never hear from him again, I don't think. Who takes us down under the ocean to our actual animated movie. Everything's cartoon now. And to be honest, considering this is a big feature length film uh, and not all of us are lucky enough to be given a treasure chest full of tickets, a lot of people would have paid for this film. Uh, it doesn't look super different animation-wise uh, from the TV show, at least not to these old untrained eyes. And it turns out that shit is going down at the Krusty Krab. Now, this is the fast food restaurant under the sea, and apparently a fish 
ate a cheeseburger with missing cheese. So, uh, and everybody's just freaking out. All the fish police cars are there and manager SpongeBob is brought in. He gets let past the police to defuse this cheese situation, which he really handles like he's defusing a bomb or something. You know, this whole uh, missing cheese uh, start shows you why I'm not going to tell you everything that happens in this film in detail because uh, doesn't make a lot of sense outside the animation. You really need the style and the characters and the voice acting to get all this across. Anyway, look, forget all that shit because it's all a dream. SpongeBob isn't a hero. He's just some dipshit that lives in a pineapple with a snail who's dreaming of one day being a manager. So really, he is our super absorbent every man of this piece. And he's desperately hoping that today is his lucky day that he's going to get the promotion. So um, SpongeBob climbs into his neighbor and fellow employee, Squidward, who was a squid, uh, climbs into his shower and starts scrubbing his back. Again, something you probably wouldn't get away with in live action. It would be kind of weird. Uh, then the other neighbor, uh, who's called Patrick, now he's the pink starfish, he appears for the first time. He's naked and excited about the prospect of a post-promotion ice cream party at a place called Goofy Goobers. Again, very much in the realm of animation. This wouldn't fly so much in real life. So, um... This promotion, it's all going to be because of the opening of a second fast food restaurant restaurant called the Krusty Krab 2, which just happens to be right next to the original. And this pisses off our villain, who is Plankton, who's a tiny little bit of Plankton, and he is owner of a rival fast food restaurant under the sea called the Chum Bucket, who watches, uh, and he watches all this from afar. And he's got a computer wife called Karen, not played by Scarlett Johansson, and he wants to steal the formula to the fabled Krabby Patty, which has led to the success of these under-the-sea fast food restaurants. Uh, you know, crazily enough, this isn't the uh, dumbest plot that we've had on this show so far. Probably about the fourth dumbest plot out of all the films that we've had. But um, I don't know, like Plankton, Squids, under-the-sea fast food restaurants. How did our dear Scarlett Johansson, get embroiled in all this mess. So, um, Mr. Krabs announces that the new manager is, of course, Squidward. It's not SpongeBob, because SpongeBob is not man enough. He is a stupid sissy baby. So, um, Plankton puts Plan Z into effect at the castle of King Neptune. Uh, he's gone through all his plans before to steal this formula. And our uh, plan Z uh, is going to be stealing the crown of the King of the Sea and <laughs> framing Mr. Krabs. Um, this is about as much plot as you're going to get from me. So uh, <laughs> if, you're, if you're struggling, it's okay. I'm about to throw you a, a good old uh, rubber life ring. And um, if you're actually enjoying it, then enjoy it while you can, because we're going to move on pretty quickly. But um, the King Neptune is voiced by Jeffrey Tambor. Uh, he's this big green sort of mermaid dude. He's got a big red beard sitting on his throne. And next to him is the life uh, ring I was talking about, uh, his daughter Mindy. 
who, um, this is quite interesting, looks very much like the green mermaid equivalent of Enid from Ghost World. So, complete with black bob, thick-rimmed spectacles. She's got that sort of hipstery kind of vibe to her. She's a little bit alternative model um, looking. And, uh, you know, could this be, is Mindy... Yes, of course she is Scarlett Johansson, who was in Ghost World, but not playing Enid, was playing Enid's more straight-laced friend, uh, Rebecca. I almost wonder, I mean, the design is so reminiscent of Enid, and I'm sure these guys are fans of Daniel Klaus's comic work and, and things like that. I wonder if that's almost how they arrived at Scarlett, like they went, oh, we want this character to, to look like Enid, we love Ghost World, uh, but... Yeah, we don't really want to get Thora Birch, so God, like Scarlett Johansson, not only is she a rising star, but she has an amazing, unique, deep, husky, wonderful, sweet female voice. So, um, you know, it's a no-brainer to put her in your cartoon. In fact, it's kind of amazing that nobody's done it before. So look, Neptune, he gets super angry and he intimidates a prisoner who is accused of touching the king's crown. I have never been under the sea. I know the protocol, though. Uh, you don't do that shit. Not unless you want to start some kind of under the sea war. And uh, But this guy who touched the crown, he's the royal crown polisher, you guys. Boom, ting. He was supposed to touch it. Sounds like a euphemism, doesn't it? The royal crown polisher. I'm feeling a little bit... Uh, a little bit sassy today. Get me my royal crown polisher. This thing needs a buff. And uh, Mindy, who still hasn't spoken at this stage, looks really annoyed at these proceedings. They're disapproving. She's watching... Hmm. I couldn't help noticing as well here that uh, she's wearing like this pink crop top with a heart on it and has her little green mermaid midriff exposed. I think that's a little bit scandalous for somebody uh, from the royal family, and I thought that was kind of interesting, that even though Scarlet's appearing in animated form, half fish, uh, they're still kind of, um, playing with the sexuality a little bit. Can't help themselves, these, uh, bro Hansons. And, um, look, she's clearly uh, presented here as a disapproving counterculture counterpart to this old-school thunder and, and brimstone approach of her father. Um, she's young, she's fresh, she's, uh, I'm making her sound like some kind of, um, product. She is the now, and, and her father is firmly in the past. And, uh, but, you know, he decides that, as his crown, no doubt, did need a polish. Mm -hmm. We all need a polish sometimes. Uh, that instead of execution, this guy will just be thrown in the dungeon instead. Mindy! Here to, hereafter, here to, hereafter, from now on, known as Scarlett Johansson, finally speaks. And her first line is an admonishing, Daddy! We always talk about her first line. Followed by a far gentler, you're free to go. As she releases the stunned prisoners, prisoner from his shackles. It's incredibly inspiring. And look, her father is a bit pissed at this, but she urges him to try love and compassion for a change. She also talks about how the function of his crown is to cover his bald spot. This is what she offers. And when he grand, uh, grandly announces that I can't speak today, I could edit this, but I, I think um, 
you know, you should feel part of the process. You should feel like you're here listening to me stumble all over this stuff. Um, it's SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm excited. Fuck, what were we even talking about? This is actually a really confusing movie. Yes, the function of his crown. Uh, she says it's to cover your bald spot, and later he grandly announces that she will one day wear it, and she freaks out and yells, I'm going to be bald! Which is like her funniest delivery and funniest line in the whole movie. Shame it happens really early, but still worth mentioning. And i got to say, I mean, when you look at her doing this voice acting role, it's this really tough thing. Like, I'm on the fence as to how I feel about it, because Jeffrey Tambor... You know, he's a comedic genius. It's nice to see her working with him and being funny. That really works. And, and, you know, we haven't seen much broad comedy from Scarlett that's really worked in the past. And and although she's not, like, meeting his levels here, she's not over the top, uh, it is fun. It's good to watch. But um, you hear voice actors, and there are voice actors out there that have podcasts. I've spoken to voice actors at conventions and things. I've interviewed them for Fruitless Pursuits. You know, there's always this thing that they talk about where celebrities are cast instead of seasoned professional voice actors. And of course, it's a different style of acting. It's a different job. And the the other thing is a voice actor can play a young girl even if they're not a young girl. Might shock you, but you know, like uh, Bart Simpson is not played by a young boy. He's played by a um, 90-year-old black woman with no teeth. Homer Simpson, you think, oh, this has got to be like a middle-aged, bald white male playing this part. No, it's Penguin. So it's amazing what you can do. And I I think sometimes voice actors get a little bit put out because they think, you know, I could do this and probably, you know, to be fair, do it a lot cheaper. And I can do this role. Um, And, you know, I'm I'm actually three cats in a stack, but I can still present this podcast. And you don't, and you wouldn't even know because it's all about the voice. You probably, as you're listening to this, you all have a different idea of, um, you know, what I look like, what, what, what I'm like, except I narcissistically have posted my face all over social media. So that probably doesn't work. Anyway, what I'm saying is sometimes voice actors go, Hey, why are celebrities doing these roles? We could amp it up a little bit more. Now, Jeffrey Tambor, although he's known more as a live-action actor, uh, I don't think he has that problem. He absolutely brings it. He's a genius. It's all over the top. It's wonderful. It's fun. Scarlett, on the other hand, is playing it far more natural, far lower, never really gets to go crazy. But is that a criticism? No, I don't think so, because her character here... Although she's noticeably held back compared to the more experienced voice actors. Her character here is the voice of reason. She's the only grounded character in a inky, wet world of madness. So, I mean, that's deliberate, right? It's a conscious choice. And and she works better when she's more natural. I like her more natural. She does natural best. Could they have given her just, like, a scene or two to go nuts and and to sort of show what she can do? Yeah, maybe be great if this character had that kind of agency. But no, it's not really what she's here for. She's really just here not to contribute to the lunacy, but to pull people back 
from the brink of lunacy and she has such a wonderful voice it's so nice to hear a natural husk back again uh she's had an affected voice in the last couple of movies we've seen she was trying to do the southern accent uh she was playing although she was american last week in the Oscar Wilde film it was a more sort of high-pitched girlish voice for the most part and and you know what for me as someone who's been studying her roles it's actually kind of nice to relax here and just focus purely on the vocal performance without being distracted by anything else this isn't the the love song for booby side there's none of those distractions this is just just close your eyes if you want to and just listen to that voice but fuck it it's all interrupted because plankton you remember plankton his little villain guy has snuck in and stolen the crown so spongebob meanwhile he's a goofy goobers he's crying alone in the nut bar he's so emotional it's just heartbreaking patrick consoles him they eat ice cream together they totally bro out in fact they go on a total ice cream bender and wank up hideous and hungover. So it's King Neptune, now with a paper bag on his head instead of his mighty polished crown. He decides uh, to go down a crusty crap, get to the bottom of things, and Mindy, Scarlett Johansson, is there just continuing this role of protesting his behavior. Uh, but she does it very sweetly and kind of blandly compared to Tampa's power-hungry insanity. I keep looking for her to just get that opportunity to, to keep ramping this up a little bit. That's what I loved about um, A Good Woman, was that she started off as a relatively bland character and, and then really got to sort of go on an arc. Is she going to do that here? Is SpongeBob SquarePants, colon, the movie, going to give Scarlett Johansson a budding young starlet the chance to to really hit a stride here prove again what she can do not in this scene at least <laughs> uh mr krabs he's been framed for stealing the crown it's been sold to a dude in the forbidden shell city neptune's about to execute krabs with a fiery trident and in fact it's not scarlet that convinces him not to it's it's a hungover spongebob who comes in to badmouth mr krabs he has a big ren and stimpy style gross out rant but it's quickly forgotten uh spongebob offers to save mr krabs he'll go to shell city he'll find the crown neptune's neptune's like no fuck that noise i'm gonna execute both of you and then scarlet is the voice of reason again intervenes sweetly begging her father please allow spongebob squarepants to go on the quest and and return the crown to you well this is going to be a really really short movie and it's already to be fair a pretty short movie this podcast isn't as short as I, it was going to be originally. I'm, I'm ranting a bit, so let's move on. Um, so now, this is where she warns Patrick and SpongeBob of all the scariness they will encounter. And maybe this is the opportunity where she could have taken it further. I know they record the voices first, usually, and then they animate afterwards. I'm saying usually. They always do that. Why would you do it the other way? That would be ridiculous. But I kind of, like, did she know what they were going to do here animation-wise? Because the animation goes wild as she describes these various monsters. Like, her face contorts and she acts out all these monsters, but her voice throughout this stays pretty level. And I don't feel like she knew necessarily uh, just what they were going to do with this bit. Um, she's stolen a bag of wins from her father. Like, when you're the king of the sea, you have stuff like that. Um, not a lot of wind in the sea. So that's a very valuable commodity down there. You could um, you can trade that for like a whole carton of sea cigarettes, which bubble instead of smoke. Um, but then look, Patrick, you're the starfish. You remember Patrick. 
This fucking starfish spoils it by getting all Brew Hansen and starts drooling and, and telling uh, Scarlet that she's hot. Even as half a fish, she is hot. And he is one smitten starfish when he sees her here. And look, f- look, I'm going to admit defeat. Can we blame him? But the truth is, she's not really playing to it. I, I thought this might be a plot thing. I thought she might even go on the quest with him. But really, uh, she's on exposition duties here. But at least her character is smart. I like the fact that even though... Well, no, like, like he is drooling over and excited about... She's not like some stereotypical blonde bombshell or glamorous thing. She's a smart, uh, nerdy girl with the black bob, with the glasses. She's got um, a complete, like, fishtail instead of legs. And he's really into it. And um, I guess that's commendable, right? Uh, her father bellows for it to return. She gets out of their way and leaves these boys to their quest. And they go on a quest, find the crown. I'm not going to explain their quest. This is a Scarlet show. Do I want to talk at great length about a starfish and a sponge who drive a car that looks like, like a fucking hamburger? Is that going to add to our cause? Is that going to increase our understanding? Is that going to be... On the surprise Scarlet pop quiz I'm setting all you guys soon on your assignment. Is this going to go towards your final mark? Am I, is there going to be a question in there? So when Patrick and Spongebob went to the seedy bar and then the, the, the thugs threatened them. Like, no, irrelevant. Uh, but meanwhile, Plankton has taken over all the citizens' brains by putting some kind of bucket device on their heads. That's kind of relevant uh, later. But it's, you know, look. It's a good 45 minutes into this thing, and it's not a long film, before Scarlett Johansson returns. You see, Spongebob and Patrick, they're at that point of the journey where they're about to give up. That they're failing, that they're flagging, their energy is going. Uh, They're struggling to cross this scary ravine, and Spongebob's just like, no, no, fuck this. I am just a sissy little baby. I've been trying to do this. I've been trying to act like a man because, you know, he was told he wasn't manly enough. But I'm just a stupid, dumb kid. We're a couple of useless dorks. Fucking look at us, Patrick. Look at... And he even... He pulls down Patrick's pants to laugh at his childlike underwear. Patrick starts crying. He's walking around crying with his pants down. He falls over. He's at his lowest point. And then who should turn up but Scarlett Johansson in her seahorse-drawn carriage. She's back. Is she going to get involved in this adventure? Is she going to help them find the crown? Is everything going to change? Well, not really. See, the problem is she's still here just to deliver more exposition. Do you need some sweetly spoken exposition up in here? Great. Perfect person. She sounds great. I'd rather hear exposition from her than a lot of other people. Rather hear exposition from Scarlett Johansson than Helen fucking Hunt. But that's all it is. Um... She tells them about Plankton taking over Bikini Bottom. That's where they live, Bikini Bottom. Uh, She kind of delivers all this um, like she's talking to a pair of small children. I mean, because that's what they are, right? They're kids. She even says, she pumps her fist in the air and says, kids rule, which I think is my favorite line of hers, actually. And and she tells them, they've just got to believe in themselves. But they start crying again, the sissy babies, and she gets a little grossed out because uh, they're spraying tears into each other's mouths and then they're rolling around in a pool of their own tears, going fetal, sucking their dumb baby thumbs. 
So uh, this is where Scarlet changes the course of things. She gives them the courage they need by offering to turn them into men. And this really gets their attention. Now, let me tell you something, dear listener. Let me level with you. When Scarlett Johansson offers to turn you into a man, you fucking listen, right? But no, look, it actually turns out it's just for... uh, with her mermaid magic. And you know, I'd love to see her recording this stuff. I haven't looked to see if there's any behind-the-scenes footage of her saying this dialogue about her mermaid magic. kind of want to see what her face looks like as she delivers these uh, brave, bold words of encouragement. Um, I feel like having watched all the films now, I can kind of picture it. So she gives them both a couple of seaweed moustaches, peps them all up, makes them feel like a couple of manly men and sends them back on their journey. Yay, her, her job done, she disappears again, and there's even a manly musical number with a whole bunch of neon deep sea monsters. It is very inspiring. But um, she's absent again for a while. Uh, look, they encounter a bounty hunter who's a fish, then there's a live action diver in a helmet who captures them and puts them in a, a fishbowl. This is uh, SpongeBob and Patrick, of course. This guy looks totally like a Scooby-Doo villain, by the way. There's a green light coming through his diving helmet. We never see a human face. Um, He is sticking, I like this bit, he's sticking googly eyes on sea animals and turning them into what SpongeBob describes as smelly knickknacks. It gets all very Roger Rabbit for a while as he interacts with these two animated characters who are then um, put under a heat lamp and they are dried out and turned into a real sponge and a real starfish Uh, And then we cut back to all those live-action pirates in the cinema. They're actually paying attention now, and they're crying. They're quite cut up by this. They have got hearts of gold, despite all the um, looting, pillaging, and rape. But then, uh, you know, SpongeBob, Patrick, they come back to life. They get hold of the crown. they got to get it back to Bikini Bottom really fast. And who should show up but David Hasselhoff. Live-action, real David Hasselhoff. And they ride him on his back... Uh, all the way back to Bikini uh, Bottom. And um, that's really the absolute best, most memorable moment in the film. If uh, this film, which I do believe is forgettable in the long run, like it has some really great moments, but you'd be better off just watching the the regular episodes. You know, there's nothing about SpongeBob which requires it to be dragged out to this kind of length. But the fact that they were able to do stuff like this with David Hasselhoff, that's what makes it worthwhile. And that gif of David Hasselhoff um, swimming towards us through the ocean, that's worth this movie existing alone. So look, we're getting into the big conclusion here already. Wonderful. Back at the restaurant, Mr. Krabs, his time is about up. Neptune enters again to execute him. Scarlet tries to get him more time using her measured voice of reason to to continue to cut through the craziness like a hot knife through crazy butter. She tries to stall King Neptune. Um, It's a little bit of a comedic scene. It's quite low-key, but he just freaks out. He yells at her. She's sent to the carriage. She's locked out of the building. No, Scarlet, you did your bit. You did your exposition. You did your pleading. If that's all you got, get out of here. You wait outside while we finish up this movie in a big, crazy way. And this leads to the one real emotion that the film asks her to have. 
where she's like, no, 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 as she bangs on the glass and she says, I hope SpongeBob makes it here in time or something like that. But alas, again, there's little truth to this. I really feel like, you know, with this being her first voice role, she's like, okay, this is a cartoon. This is a cartoon for kids. I'm going to, you know, say everything like I'm talking to a couple of small children. It's presentational is what I'm getting at. It's not like gut-wrenchingly, emotionally fucking devastating. I'm not there with a tear streaming down my cheek, a single tear going, I want you to get into that restaurant and save that SpongeBob and that crab and that starfish Scarlet. I'm just not feeling it, unfortunately. Uh, what I am feeling, though, is Hasselhoff catapults SpongeBob and Patrick into the restaurant by squeezing them between his pectoral muscles. Excellent. So, you know how this um, ends. They arrive in time. Neptune has his crown back. Mindy is pleased. She hugs them. It gives Patrick a total starfish boner. I mean that figuratively. That's not like one of his many starfish legs uh, like pops up or anything. It all looks resolved. I'm ready to like just wrap up. And then I go, oh shit, there's 10 minutes left. Well, what's going to happen? Is Scarlet going to get to do something? No. Plankton turns up, the villain. He brainwashes the king. Scarlet has no agency here. She's not our hero. She just fires off a daddy no and looks like she's about to be executed along with our hero. She's up against the wall. She's terrified. And of course, it's SpongeBob that saves everybody. He does a rousing speech. He embraces the fact that he's a kid. Being a kid's cool. Kids rule, right? And then he performs a raucous rock number about it all. He turns literally into a guitar wizard. He's got the, the hat and the robe and he's shooting like lasers out of his guitar, which free all the brainwashed citizens from their buckets. Uh, Plankton's defeated, taken away by the fish police. Neptune admits to Mindy, Scarlet, admits to Scarlet that she was right to be compassionate. And that she will one day make a fine ruler of the sea. And yet, she just kind of stands around in the background as, as all the rest of the loose ends are tied up. And we don't really see anything else off her. So, look, to, to, to recap, in conclusion, you know, we know Scarlet's got a great voice. We've talked about it before. She's provided narration to a lot of the films that she's been in. Um, it's one of her just most outstanding features. And uh, she's fine here. She's fine. Like, she's a, a an effective anchor to the piece. She's a grounding influence, the voice of reason in the darkness. And what a voice of reason. But she's tempered compared to the craziness around her. And the film never really gives her anything to do. But that said, this was a film that she made in 2004. She made 2004 films in 2004. I'd be surprised if coming in and doing her little bit of SpongeBob took her more than like an afternoon, more than a day. That's probably all it was. And you know, that's why she was cast. Wonderful voice, up and coming star. Um, there's like this thing about her and her alone that is totally unique um, and hopefully will continue to be exploited far, far into the future. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of ghost world connection and I have no surprise at all that she took on this role. I mean, 
SpongeBob's hugely popular. She's never done a cartoon before. And then the other thing is, like, good on her for doing it as well, because there might be actresses, certainly that uh, were actors, actors. I, I say actors usually instead of actresses. I'm not usually gender specific about it because uh, a lot of female actors like just being called actors. They don't want to be called actresses. I learned this in theater. The hard way. No, not really. Women and I, we get along really well. Really great. But yeah, I think it's good of her to be interested in this. Like, she just seems to be so open-minded and so willing to do all these crazy indie things, as well as, like, big blockbuster things. She's working with wonderful directors like the Coens. She's um, working with Terry Zweigoff. Um, she's taking risks. And you know what? We're only 17 episodes in, and what a diverse resume. So I certainly can't fault her for that. And look, there's no big revelations in this episode. We didn't learn a huge amount about Scarlett Johansson as performer. But think of this as a seed. We have just planted a seed which is going to grow down the track into that outstanding vocal performance in the film, Her. So this is the precursor to that. This is paving the way. And, and that's, you know, that's our journey. Sometimes we just travel down a straight path. Sometimes we have lots of twists and turns. Sometimes there's a hill. Sometimes it's down a hill. Sometimes see a little bunny rabbit skipping along beside the road and we're tempted to go over and pat it, play with it. Hello, no. Don't touch that strange animal. We don't know where, where it's been. And it is irrelevant to our quest. Let's keep focused. Focus. No to the bunny rabbit. Focused on Scarlett Johansson. Completely lost my focus. What I was talking about there. Oh, and for next year, 2015, you know, the whole rumor thing is that she has been cast as Car the Snake. So providing her voice again in John Favreau's adaptation of The Jungle Book. Um, snakes are sensual, sexy characters. About as sexy as you can get without legs or arms or boobs. And she's going to be that voice. That's inspired casting. It's a hypnotic character. She's got a hypnotic voice. I'm looking forward to that. So again, this is just a little seed, but a whole lot of wonderful things are going to grow out of it later on. Okay, housekeeping, let's do all the bits and pieces, all the segments that we have to do to wrap this thing up. Scar vocabulary. What's the new phrase or term that we learn? I don't know, we didn't learn much. We just rocketed through this thing like a bunch of sissy babies. Um Scar Bob Joe Pants. <laughs> Cause we know that she hates the nickname Scar Joe. Almost to the point where now I just feel really like guilty and hampered by it i'm like why did i call this scar joe a go-go because like if she ever like hears about it by searching for something else in itunes and then it comes up she's just gonna hate it like before like anything or like her people will hate it they'll go oh we, we heard about this hateful thing called scar joe a go-go and i never refer to her by that name during the show i don't i always say scarlet i'm very very respectful of these things. I just like chose that name because it like, it's kind of, it rhymes and it's zingy. It's memorable. It's cool. Scargo a joke. It's easy to say. That's what I like about it the most. But uh, yeah. So considering she hates that and it's always good to remind 
the listener that we are very aware, I am very aware, that she does not like the term ScarJo. So let's assume with our Scar vocabulary today that she would definitely not like to be called Scar Bob Joe Pants. So if you ever meet her in person, you're at a signing, an interview, um, a, a charity dinner, anything like that, uh, Scarlet is preferred. Miss Johansson might even be extra polite. Scar Bob Joe Pants is a definite no-go. Now, her three greatest feats. What are we going to remember her for in this film? Number one, very uh, appealing to the eye in a non-stereotypical way. Short black hair, glasses, smart girl. So very appealing to the eye in a non-stereotypical way while being half-fish. I think that that's an accomplishment. Number two, she tried valiantly to turn SpongeBob SquarePants into a man, even though he's a big sissy baby. Didn't quite work out as intended, but you know what? She's got a big heart. And number three, the most important one. She was finally cast and recognized for her wonderful, unique voice. And I, for one, hope that she has a, a lot more voice roles in the future, which will be great now she's got a little baby, because I tell you what, you can't breastfeed while you're being Black Widow. I mean, like, literally while you're being Black Widow, like while they're dropping you out of a plane on a bike and you're racing into battle. You can't have a little baby attached to your breast. But you can breastfeed while you're recording the dialogue for, for a snake, unless the microphone picks it up. guys realize that this is just me alone in a room all right that's a really odd podcast to do uh next time on scardrow go go she will be in good company in the film in good company that's a coincidence uh which is also from 2004 my god they worked her hard uh, look, this film, I don't know anything about it, really. I haven't seen it. It, it stars Dennis Quaid and Topher Grace. You're not going to hear starring Topher Grace very much these days, are you? And um, because I know nothing about it, and I want you to be like somewhat excited about it next week, I, I found the IMDb description. A middle-aged ad exec is faced with a new boss who's nearly half his age and who also happens to be sleeping with his daughter. Gosh, so, um, let me guess. So, like, businessmen doing business, women doing business, and then Scarlet comes in, the daughter, and she's being sexed with by Topher Grace, no less. Can you believe that? No, I bet you anything. Like I said, haven't seen the film yet. I haven't even seen a trailer. But I bet you anything that Dennis Quaid is all like, Topher Grace! Get your dick out of my daughter! I didn't make a daughter for you to put your dick in, Topher Grace! Hopefully that is an actual quote in the film. I don't know, but hey, if you want to come and join me for another round, we'll find out next week. You in, buddy? Yeah? Well, let me know how that goes and text me. I'll be here anyway, so... It'd be good if you could make it too. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes, especially if you're in Australia. One review on the Australian iTunes store. Surely there are some Australians listening to this. 
So stop being belligerent fucks. I'm doing my part of the bargain. Where's your part of the bargain? You just you just fucking ate the meal. Now I'm there. I'm the waiter. I'm standing there tapping on the bill. Want to do dishes all night? No. Fucking pay your bill and review on iTunes. Uh, listen to the other podcasts. The Book Was Better podcast. Also, FPcast, which is uh, a general pop culture podcast that I do for Fruitless Pursuits. In fact, go to the Fruitless Pursuits website, www.fruitlesspursuits.com, and the first thing you will see are four logos for each of the podcasts that come out on our network. I host three of those fuckers. Get clicking on them. Listen to everything. Put me in your ears as much as you can. And uh, I will love you forever. Thanks so much for listening. I'll catch you next week. She starts off really small and then she grows. She grows. She grows. She grows. Let's see how far she goes. Scar Joe go. go.